On the night of October 21st, 1990, Tom Carvel, the man who brought us the beloved Fudgy the Whale and Cookie Puss, died in his Pine Plains, New York home. But was it a peaceful death at the age of 84, passing on to the next life in his sleep? Or was there foul play afoot? When solving a crime, law enforcement will look for motive, means and opportunity. For Tom Carvel, who of course was worth a fortune upon his death, all three conditions existed. But his death was not ruled a homicide. Yet questions remain. I'm Paul Finnegan, your sole host of this episode of Cold Storage, the story of Tom Carvel. My regular co-host, our wunderbar researcher and cold storage creator, Heather Quinlan, is not able to join me this time around. She's been placed on the 10-day DL after she went on a cookie-puss binge and is now suffering from an extended brain freeze. (laughs) But don't worry, she'll be back with us for our final episode of Cold Storage, The Life and Death of Tom Carvel. And in case you are wondering, Wunderbar is not spelt with an umlaut over the letter U. Just saying, like. So, Tom Carvel's death. Let's set the scene. Probably the most significant circumstantial factor in the story is that his longtime corporate secretary, Mildred Arcadapane, and his attorney, Robert Davis, had access to and control of a significant amount of his money. According to his niece Pamela, Carvel, close to his death, had begun to suspect this pair of embezzlement and had come up to New York from his other home in Florida to fire them. And he had become increasingly worried about his safety in the days leading to his demise. Pamela suspected that he was poisoned or strangled to death and alleged that his death certificate, which listed a heart attack as the cause of death, included a forged signature. Fred Welch, the former New Jersey police detective Pamela hired, said that he uncovered enough circumstantial evidence to suggest that someone might have fatally tampered with Carvel's heart medicine, and he felt that was enough to warrant a homicide investigation. Welch also learned that friends who were staying at the Carvel home the weekend of Tom's death received a call from a Carvel employee that night shortly after his death urging them to get rid of all prescription drugs from his medicine cabinet, a request they found odd, but followed anyway. Pamela maintained that she also had circumstantial evidence against several former Carvel employees, including Arcadapane and Davis, 
who continued to work for the company while also battling Agnes for years over the Carvel fortune from their seats on the Thomas and Agnes Carvel Foundation board. Eventually, both were forced to resign from their seats in 1996 in a deal with the New York Attorney General's office for misappropriating foundation money. Both died in the early 2000s, so even if future litigation found any wrongdoing, the two could not be questioned. Having had a lawsuit to exhume Carvel's body thrown out of court in Fort Lauderdale in 2009, Pamela filed another in White Plains, New York, asking for permission to have her uncle's body dug up from Ferncliff Cemetery in Hartsdale, a request that was never executed. To assist us in our probe of the controversial circumstances of Tom Carvel's demise, we've called on Brian McCabe, a retired New York Police Department detective who rose through the ranks to become the commanding officer of the Manhattan South Homicide Squad. So what better mind to tap into when taking a closer look at the case of Tom Carvel? On the one hand, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. On the other hand, I'm like, why did I even open Paul Finnegan's email? Because now I want to know more about this. You know, now I want to know what other circumstantial evidence there is. Now I want to know what what's in these boxes and boxes of litigation papers in the Westchester County, and whether in London, wh- wherever these things are, it reeks of larceny. Currently, you're heading up security. Are you high up in security over three hospitals? I'm the system director for the Bon Secours Charity Health System. Now, that's it's a three-hospital system that spans 75 miles. It's part of the 10-hospital network of the Westchester Medical Center, which would include Hartsdale and Audsley and the scene of the crime, if you will. I work more now than I ever did. I love yeah. what I did. So give us a brief rundown of your NYPD career. I started out uh, as a as a uniformed uh, patrol officer in the west side of Manhattan. In fact, all of my career I spent in Manhattan uh, in, in, in different different commands. We were having record numbers of homicides and street crime. I went from there to plain clothes uh, where I would be. I would drive a yellow cab, had a big long beard and long hair. And... Um, Chris Byrne, he was my partner and uh, he would be my, uh, he'd be the passenger in the back of my cab and I would, I would be the driver. And uh, we would, we would interdict street crime that was going on in Times Square and in, uh, on the West Side. And from there, we went into the robbery squad, robbery investigation was a natural progression. Got my detective shield there and advanced to, to the detective squad. And from there, I went to uh, the Manhattan South Homicide Squad, which investigates all major crime, particularly homicides, um, south of 60th Street. I got promoted uh, to sergeant. I became, uh, I I went back to patrol. I did a number of things. um, And then I was back into the detective bureau as a uh, supervisor of a detective squad and became the commanding officer of the Manhattan South Homicide Squad. I went back to as uh, as a boss and as the CEO, and that's where I ended my career. Just getting down to the work of homicide investigation, when a case came before you, 
did you look over the facts and then get a sense of who the guilty person might be? Well, that's that's it's interesting you say that. Now, of course, you see the, the 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 any type of detective work, any type of investigative work, um, the 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 idea is just as you said, it's about facts. It's about establishing the facts as best you can, um, and then you go where that takes you. One of the problems that can happen with inexperienced detectives or poor detectives or 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 even well-meaning people who kind of is to get a tunnel vision where they make a decision based on. Um, now, I'm not saying that intuition, experience, uh, and that gut feeling is not essential in all of this. It is. It informs it. But if you get tunnel vision because you've decided who um, is responsible, what happens is uh, quite often uh, you see it in, in cases that get overturned, uh, and rightfully so. It's, it's terrible to have a, uh, uh, somebody railroaded or, or rush to rush the judgment. Um, but what happens in that is then all of a sudden the facts that you are winnowing out of uh, the whole thread, they start to 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 support your narrative of what you want to believe. And so what you need to do is you need to actually develop it from the ground up and leave, leave no. That's what was one of the good things about being in the homicide squad is um, we were able to, with experience, to kind of concentrate and, and support the precinct detective squad and a detective of the precinct because they, that person would be the person who is actually responsible. It's their name. It's their case. We, of course, um, would bring uh, experience and expertise to assist in those cases and keeping it from getting a rush to judgment, a tunnel vision type. Like we, we know who did it. Now let's get, now let's get all the cases, get interpret statements and stuff to support your preconceived notion. It's not like that. What you need to do is you, you kind of get a sense, like as you were saying, you kind of do get a sense how things are breaking. Uh, we've had, I've had a number of times in my career, however, when everything looked very plausible, everything looked right, and then it came to a complete halt. And that's why you don't shut down other avenues of investigation until you really do have uh, um, in, in, enough uh, to to uh, to be to be reasonably um, to be well actually as a detective you're certain um, and it could be and it, and it is one of the things that was interesting in reading um, uh, Detective Welsh's statements and such uh, and or, or just the, the reference to him as the, the the circumstantial evidence and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment but um, the idea is you you need to lay it all out and you need to get people together and let's start teasing it out it can't just be like you're going in a linear progression from a to b to c d sometimes they break quickly sometimes they're very very obvious but cases that require investigation require that type of uh, studiousness and that type of perspective um otherwise uh you can you can make a wrong turn um at the same time if you have worked or, or, or people who've worked on these task forces for a major case and uh, that, that's another thing, the major case, major homicides. Every dead human body is, it was loved by somebody at some point, hopefully. Um, and so everyone is is incredibly important in its own right. But, the, but working in Manhattan South, of course, my colleagues in Manhattan North, who we worked with a lot on these task force, would be like, you know, if you want to get in the newspapers, you just get a body that that got that would that, that fell in, in in Central Park and put it over the wall into into Midtown North, and all of a sudden every 
media uh, outlet in the world is there because it happened in the area that most people throughout the world identify immediately as New York City. So, um, so everyone is important, um, but you'll see that if it's something that really has political media or something that is so fraught with concern, uh, whether it be uh, you know the, the potential for a serial killer or so it's something that's happened uh, that that creates great public alarm, then you'll have a task force and everything is looked at and there'll be a number of, of teams that'll be running down different leads that might not be interrelated, but you don't let any anything get cold and you don't let anything uh, get be, be on the back burner unless you have a, a really gotten to a, a consensus that no, this is this is it, this is the way to go. And then things things start breaking. Um, the, the the other thing, very important thing about police work that needs to be remembered by every every uh, cop who wants to do do it right is that um, your job doesn't end with an arrest. You know, the job ends with a conviction. The job job ends with being able to constitutionally prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone is guilty. Um, and prejudices and um, preconceived notions about, you know, why that person's guilty, aside from from the fact pattern and the forensic evidence, um, are, are are not part of that mix to be successful. You have to um, you have to really not get tunnel vision. You have to really uh, make sure that the that the focus isn't on blaming somebody closing all right we closed the case we got somebody under arrest it's not it's to see that justice is done it's see that uh see that the closure is brought to people who love the, 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 the departed and it's also to see to make to make certain that you do have uh beyond a reasonable doubt the person who uh is a person or people who are responsible for this so there's a lot to it and it it, it does take um a lot of uh, it takes a lot of introspection and perspective, as I said before, and uh, also the understanding that your job is not over. When the old saying before they got electronic uh, computer-based uh, fingerprinting, when you'd actually roll them in, in the, to put someone in the ink is the old school way of saying you've made an arrest. You put them in the ink, meaning you had to roll their fingerprints. Um, it doesn't end there. That's frankly in, in one very, very important and very profound way that is the beginning of a detective's real job which is working with um the uh, the uh, district attorneys or the prosecutors to make sure that you make a case that is uh, compelling and fact-based and can be proven um constitutionally so that's when it, that's where it comes the conviction or even if a conviction can't be made but the certainty um that you you, you know because the system being what it, what it is it doesn't always work out. You could know that you're right, and for whatever reason, or or for that matter, um, uh, despite intent, despite the, the egregiousness of a particular crime, they can be played down to something. Or you, you don't, you can't burden yourself with this with the system aspect. You burden yourself with your self respect and that that of your colleagues, knowing that you did the right thing, um, and that's and that's how that's how you are able to negotiate this without losing your mind. So in all the work you did, did you ever come across a case that somehow resembled the one we're looking at, which is the passing of Tom Carvel and the circumstances in which he passed? 
with the same kind of scenario where the same motives um, might have kicked in, you know? In a way, uh, but but no, in a word. Um, in a way, there were a number of cases that uh, tangentially would have would have had similarities. Uh, one one which, fortunately, did not result in a homicide, but was uh, more uh, a uh, an attempted contract murder um, done by uh, two business partners down on uh, down on by Delancey Street, the old leather goods salesman and a wonderful wonderful gentleman whose partner had a son. They were partners for. 40 years, uh, Jewish-American guys, that old school um, leather goods down in Delancey, that, that would be the, the, the east of the Lower East Side. Um, but he had a son who uh, was a heroin addict, um, and he decided that what he was going to do was to have his father's business partner eliminated so that he would be able to, uh, to uh, leaving his father the sole proprietor which means it would leave him as the sole heir. So, um, and it, it it was very, very similar for motive. Um, and as I said, fortunately, we were able to um, turn the person who was supposed to uh, commit this act for him. And we were able to wire it up and set it up. And we got the great video and, and recordings of them as they were negotiating this, uh, this murder, murder for hire, uh, and we were able to actually um, uh, make the arrest at the time when the money was exchanged in hands, and it was going to be done that day. So uh, similar in the in in the very base nature and very close uh, relationship. Um, the, the 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 tellingly, and perhaps Tom, if he had been alive. Um, if if there would be something, whether it be Arcapane or or Davis, uh, who would have been responsible, if it was indeed a homicide, that he would have been like I never would have conceived that they could be behind something like this. Very similar that the 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 the, the um, uh, supposed or the or the the, the uh, intended victim um, felt the same way. Like, I knew this. I knew him as a boy. Why would he do this? You know. Uh, it's, it's, so that that kind of uh, that kind of struck me, and then other types of situations where I was involved in many many times, um, which were just cold blooded uh, murders done uh, either through through uh, organized crime or, or uh, you know narcotics and uh, killing killing other dealers or, or for, for taking uh, in order to take their their profits their proceeds their turf whatever. Um, had a number of very very strange cases, uh, and we I also had a number of cases um, where questions were raised afterwards about whether or not um, uh, a exhumation would be appropriate or not. Uh, generally, uh, you know, and, and even discussing with Pete, with other colleagues of mine who've had similar things, um, there could be cause to do that, um, but usually the circumstances wouldn't warrant doing that. I see both sides of this, and I, I, I intuitively, um, I don't know. Uh, first of all, I, I don't believe that uh, his secretary and attorney 
um, would have known that they were going to get the axe on Monday, so they did it on a weekend. I, I, I don't know about that. However, things could have been building, although their behavior subsequent to uh, Tom Carvel's demise is just despicable. Uh, from just just based on what I what 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 I can see, um, even I mean, of course, the fault lies. I, I think Davis is primarily scoundrel here in Arkansas as well. She's uh, you know she wouldn't hurt a fly. I remember that in the movie Psycho. I never hurt a fly, but um, but she obviously had a reputation of being a very very hatcheret, a very very. Um, me like they've been she had an iron hand, you know, very mean, very. She would fly into tirades. The fact that she um, could uh, get away with uh, verbally abusing uh, the CEO Tom, it could lend itself to the belief that perhaps you know they did have some type of relationship beyond a boss and a uh, secretarial one. Wouldn't be unusual. Wouldn't be the first time. Because there's that there's that level of emotion or level of of, of uh, personal, um, uh, it, just the fact that he would tolerate that is something that indicates there's more of a personal involvement than just this. Um, and Davis, I mean, he, he's just a bad guy. But the idea of them, I mean, ultimately it goes back to this incredibly, incredibly complex seven people executor type thing. I, I That was a very, very, obviously a very, very bad strategy um, that worked in reverse of what he had wanted. But if, if, if these people were decent people, and we're talking about millions and millions of dollars, so even people who would think themselves decent when that kind of money's talking, they, they'll do all kinds of things. Um, they knew, they knew what his intention was and what the Tom and Agnes a Carvel Foundation was about, and I find it particularly um, interesting and 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 rather sad that it's the Tom and Agnes and uh, and then Arcapane and that's the name, right? Arcapane is it? Arcadapane. 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 Okay, so um, that Arcadapane and and um, and Davis, they they certainly knew what the intent was, and for them to become the controlling uh, aspect of the Tom and Agnes Carvel Foundation and having Agnes on the outside is just is just counterintuitive and it just it, it reeks of, uh, of of this uh, of, of larceny you know it just reeks of yeah. you know yeah just say you were called to the house that night when Tom Carvel passed. And as the weeks went by after that, you know, you'd probably see some threads to pull on a little bit, right? Well, as as people started making, well, first of all, you have to go with the crime or the or the scene. All right, now we're talking about what would be done in the NYPD in my in during my era. I mean, investigatively, things have changed a lot because of the incredible uh, increase in two things: one is uh, surveillance technology and DNA. Um, but um, we were called often. It's undetermined. There used to be a a category in the medical examiner's office, probably still is. You would have something that was either a it would be ruled a homicide. Now, a homicide doesn't mean a murder, uh, which is which is kind of an inflammatory thing that every news outlet does. It's like this would this death was ruled a homicide. 
It doesn't mean a murder was committed. What it means is that the, a, a, a human being, their demise was the direct result of the actions of another human being or, or other human beings. Homicide is that. It, um, and then murder would be, murder and manslaughter would be the charges, the actual crimes. Homicide is a designation. Or natural causes would be another one. Or accident, or, or accidental, uh, you know, misadventure, whatever. Um, but there was also something, and this this is this is where Carvel's issue um, may might have required further investigation at the scene. There is a category called a cuppy, which is circumstances undetermined pending police investigation, and that's the acronym in in use in the medical examiner's office. Um, when somebody passes away, uh, I, I found it incredibly interesting that the uh, the physician whose name was on a death certificate, doesn't recall signing it, doesn't recall being on the scene. Um, now, an 84-year-old man dying in his bed, frankly, um, these days we could survive even longer. But um, it's kind of the natural way of things. So un unless there was an immediate call for, um, you know, stop, hold on, there's a lot going on here, then uh, that, that would likely be accepted. However... Um, what other, uh, what was the state of the body? What other indications of a heart attack, aside from the fact that it was an elderly man dead in his bed, would indicate uh, a coronary infarct? That, 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 that indeed it was a heart attack. That would, that's an assumption, you know, that it was a heart attack because it could have been, a, it could have been a number of other natural causes. Um, it does kind of preclude it, but if it's signed off as that, it kind of precludes a postmortem examination or an autopsy. Uh, which would have been, uh, which would have allayed a lot of the, the a lot of the concerns, wouldn't have stopped the civil litigation because that was about money at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, but but to investigate a scene like that, you would have it secured. Um, there would be uh, the, the there would be uniformed officers there making sure that the 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 uh, the, uh, the home was sealed. And nobody was getting in or out unless they were they were recorded. And it, even even the chief, chief, if you what's your name, you know, everybody going in and out is documented. And there will be uh, the the body will be examined um, by the, the the first cops at the scene, their supervisor, and the detectives will come in, and the detectives will do their investigation of a dead human body. Whether you know, it's not. Now, I mean, great detectives can see if somebody is laying there with three bullets in their chest that this is not natural causes. But in those other in those other areas that are are less are less obvious, it does require that um, any potential be looked at. Um, and and so so in, in in going to the to a scene like that, um, the, the state of the body would be would be looked at. You know. Um, there are tells uh, of of uh, of cardiac arrest. Um, maybe we would you would be able to determine uh, pretty pretty closely and see about lividity, about uh, you know which is which is good blood settling in the body, the color of the body. But you, you would the detectives would would get all of that. They get all kinds of background information, but it generally would require 
except in a case like this where a physician would be like, no, he was under my care. We, we knew what we wouldn't, he wouldn't have much longer. This is what he's been treating, treating him for and I'll sign a death certificate saying that this is what caused it. It requires <clears throat> a medical legal investigator, an MLI from uh, the medical examiner's office to go to the scene and they'll do some initial medical legal um, uh, forensic uh, examination of the body. Um, a a postmortem in this case, I would find it very unusual. Uh, however, there are other things that uh, are very, very uh, concerning. Now, who were the friends who were at that house that got a call from an unnamed Carvel employee telling them to to get rid of the, the prescription medicine there. Why is that necessary? But even more so, why did they do it? Why Why would they do something like that? Even any reasonable person should go like, that's that's not my place to do that. And why are you asking me to do that? So that, that is a very, very interesting thing I'd like to know about. That's certainly circumstantial to uh, indicating something is not quite right. Um, I, I, the, the, the fact that... Uh, it could be, it, you know, a forensic examination of the signature on the on the death certificate would be in order if the doctor says, I didn't sign that thing. But when did when were these questions raised? Were they raised after the litigation, after it started falling apart, and they realized that millions were at stake? What was going on at the time that Tom passed away? What was going on with Agnes, with Pamela, for that matter? And they had a tribe of nieces and nephews as well. Pamela was designated as an executor, um, but there was also other members of that family. So, uh, you know, what were their concerns? Um, it's just very curious. And it seems I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a natural for me, if anything's natural about me, but I have a, a, a particular antipathy to uh, Akatapani and, uh, and Davis, is it? Yeah. Um, just because of their behavior afterwards and them trying to get the golden ring and freeze out at least Agnes. I think that that's despicable. Does it rise to the level of murder? I don't know. That could very well be Pamela's reaction to something's wrong here. But an exhumation with those circumstances that Welsh developed, I'd like to know more about them. The, the, um, the, uh, the testimony or the statement by the physician that he didn't sign the the, the cryptic call from uh, employees to, dis to dispose of medication, all of those things would indicate something's not right here. Um, if there were, if, but if there were friends staying there, who would have strangled him? They now an exhumation could do two things, um, depending on how how uh, on the state of of the remains. And of course, he would have been, uh, he wasn't cremated. He would have been embalmed, which that does, that does would, would, would cause some uh, difficulty in developing forensic evidence, but, but it, wouldn't, it wouldn't exclusively do that. Certainly, um, any toxicology uh, uh, could be established uh, to a degree. Uh, that could be, that, that, could, that could say if something is way off the charts. Um, 
Uh, so that would be something that could be developed out of an exhumation, as well as, and this would be more difficult, it was postulated that a strangulation might have taken place. Now, the hyoid bone in the throat is something that quite commonly is broken. It's a free-floating bone um, by the uh, by the, the, the larynx that um, in, in strangulation cases, quite often it'll get fractured, but it, if, if it's not fractured, that doesn't mean a strangulation didn't take place. One of the other things though, a couple of the other things that would be indicative of a strangulation would be what's called petechiae in the, in the eyes, the eyes and the eyelids underneath where uh, capillaries burst from the, the pressure of the blood in the, in the, in the in the head as strangulation is taking place as well as soft tissue damage in the in the neck now that, that would result in um in, in contusions in in bruises uh whether that would still be discoverable with a post-mortem exhumation uh, that's a debatable thing a uh, petechiae perhaps but once again that, uh, that 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 might not be able to and the hyoid bone um, it, if it's broken, that's a good indication. Um, but if it's not broken, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. So uh, even the exhumation may not prove conclusively that something didn't happen. What it could do is prove conclusively that there was high levels of particular medicational poisons and also any whatever is left that, that of, of um, uh, physical manifestation of violence. So if all that were left of the late Tom Carvel were his bones in a in a grave. How could you determine uh, high levels of toxicity or poison? Would it be in his bone marrow or something, or in his bones? Um, that... Highly, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely, particularly if it caused. First of all, it, it where it would be, um, frankly, would be um, it, it would be impacted. Um, it would be in his soft tissues. Um, yeah. bones to something to get into the bones it takes it takes a while could it be yeah perhaps but um i, I don't think they could conclusively get anything with that however um with with um uh with a the embalming and all i mean nobody gets skeletonized um uh, very 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 quickly i mean it could be even today uh he could be exhumed and there would be i believe a, a lot of he would be recognized and it would be a lot of uh, soft tissue there. Desiccated, of course, but they, it would still be there. It, right. Depending depending on the extent of the embalming process. So, How long has he gone now? 25 years or so? Uh, early 90s. Oh, the early 90s. Yeah, 30 years. Okay, so again, it's, it's an interesting case, but... It's a great case. You know, first of all, it'd be hard to draw a line back to a place where you, you, uh, Brian, would feel there was definitely some foul play here. And then even if you were there at the time, it might be hard to prove it. It might be hard to prove it. However, once again, I'd like to see the timeline, the circumstances that Welsh developed an exhumation. You know, he, I, I know he was on it like pretty soon afterwards, relatively a couple of years, whatever. If there was questions raised at that at the moment, then uh, and the family was willing, which is a very key thing as well. The family wanted a postmortem. They would say why they wanted one. That there were issues here. That we're concerned about what happened. That he was, you know. So, but as in any any case, the sooner you're able to develop 
the forensic um, evidence, you know, the gathering, the testimony and all, the, 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 the much more likely you are to be able to make a, um, a determination. And there you have it. As I said, almost 33 years after he left us, questions still surround the death of the grandfatherly Tom Carvel. What do you think? As I said, Paul, you've piqued my interest now. So uh, I'm going to actually at a dinner I'll have with a bunch of old detectives. I'm going to raise this because I, I got to tell you, um, and I really appreciate it. Because I thought Tom Carvel was the funniest guy in the world. I mean, we were kids, ice cream, cookie, puss. But yeah. I mean, cookie, oh, puss. And, uh, and, 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 uh, hug me, oh, bear. It's, it, it's for St. Patrick's Day. And, uh, he, he is like cookie, puss, but he's cookie, oh, puss, and he's dressed like an Irishman. You know? Yeah, they just, they, they used the same mold or whatever. Of but they course. Just... They flipped it upside down. It started out with Fudgy the Whale, and then they realized, you know, if we're not making it the whale, and if we flip it that way, those are kind of like feet, and that's like a, you know, it's just great. What I find ultimately to be the tragedy of Tom Carvel is that he is everything that uh, 20th century America was supposed to be about, meaning, uh, or, or what it started out as, an immigrant success story who made millions, he was an innovator, he's a World War II guy, all that, all of that stuff. And so that's the whole arc of the 20th century, ending in what the how what we've developed into, which is an incredi incredibly grabbing and litigious type of uh, society. So he he epitomized to me uh, the the success story of an of an immigrant, and then the squabbling at the end. You know. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks. It's good to talk to you. I'm sorry I have to pin down, pal, but it's it's been it's been. No, you're, you're 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 a busy man, but a gentleman, forever. Next on Cold Storage, our seventh and final episode, a brain-thawed Heather Quinlan will be back with us, and we'll look at the legal quagmire that Carvel left in his wake, something he thought he had taken steps to avoid, believing he was covering all of his bases. He had previously appointed seven executors. Arcadapane and Davis among them, to manage his estate after his death. However, as you can imagine, this only led to a decades-long feud between people with different priorities. Till next time, I'm Paul Finnegan and you've been listening to Cold Storage. Cold Storage